Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Closet Champion Podcast. I am your host, the reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. And I was all prepared for this to be a standard state of wrestling episode because it's been a while since I've just sort of given my thoughts on what's happening in wrestling, but unfortunately it has turned into a full-blown lament of what transpired the other day. If you haven't heard, WWE recently changed the name of their longest reigning NXT UK champion, Walter. Uh, This is strange in and of itself, though not unprecedented. They changed Piper Niven's name to Dewdrop in an angle that we assumed would go away when Eva Marie went away. But here we are, all these months later, Eva Marie's gone, and Piper Niven is still Dewdrop. So, okay, they changed Walther's name. That's weird enough. But then, we find out that his new name is Gunther fucking Stark, which a quick Google search will tell you was the name of a Nazi naval officer from World War II. Now, I don't work at WWE headquarters, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and assume they have Google. I hope that this was just a gigantic oversight and not a deliberate reference to a Nazi naval officer from World War II. But intention notwithstanding, I just got to know, how the fuck do you not look up what a potential name for a character could have possibly been in history. I mean, that seems like the first thing you would do before you even applied for a trademark for it. How do you let that slip through the cracks? I don't know. The only thing left now is to see if Gunther is going to be at the Elimination Chamber, which is being held in fucking Saudi Arabia. And this isn't new news. Like, it's not breaking, but I haven't talked about it yet on this podcast, and this seems like the perfect time to do so since... We're just turning this into an airing of grievances. You know, WWE continues to hold events in fascist countries solely so they can make a buck. And look, I get it. It's a business. And the point of a business is to make money. But WWE certainly is not hurting for cash, all right? Their third quarter profit was about about $195 million. So I don't think their deal with Saudi Arabia is what's keeping the doors open at WWE. And I have to know, at what point do you say, you know what, our public image is just not worth the paycheck? I'll let you all know where that line is in the sand if WWE ever finds it. Uh, And even if they do find it, you know, the problem with lines in the sand is that with a breath of air, they can disappear. And I'm sure they will for WWE again at one point. But it's not all doom and gloom here on the Closet Champion Podcast. Fortunately for us, where one company is floundering in social faux pas, AEW has people buzzing for all the right reasons. There are some amazing storylines being told both on screen and off, as news of Cody Rhodes' free agent status has the internet wrestling community's imagination running wilder than Hulkamania in 1985. A few of the more popular theories being thrown out there include one in which Cody opens the ultimate forbidden door and enters the Royal Rumble, which I don't think is going to happen. And another is where his free agent status would somehow allow him to fight once again for the AEW World Championship. You see, in 2019, Cody lost an AEW World title match against Chris Jericho and agreed to a stipulation that he would never again challenge for the world title. Some people are saying that this could be Cody's loophole into the world title picture because he's not under an AEW contract. The stipulation is somehow void. I think that's a really big stretch, and I have faith in AEW to just work out a better storyline than that. 
And, you know, the truth is, I don't know if there's any long-term uh, angle to this story at all, or if it's simply just the fact that Cody hasn't signed a new contract yet, and that's all that it is. But either way, being top of mind with people is never a bad thing, and AEW has certainly figured out a way to stay at the top of mind uh, in 2022 so far, and that's great for them. So those are some of the out-of-the-ring headlines happening in pro wrestling. Now I want to talk about a few noteworthy in-ring stories as well. Not going to go super in-depth, just a few things that I really like. Sticking with AEW and with Cody Rhodes... Sammy Guevara is your interim TNT champion, and to me, this is another subtle move that AEW is actually doing in building up heat and that heel status for Cody Rhodes, because Cody is not medically cleared to compete. He will be on tonight's episode of Dynamite, but I still believe he's not medically cleared to compete. Normally, if a champion cannot wrestle and defend their title, they have to relinquish the title. But of course, since it's Cody, he doesn't have to relinquish the title. We just get an interim champion instead, and then they'll fight it out when Cody comes back. And so he can keep his title even though he doesn't have to wrestle. And this has everyone saying, oh man, see this such nepotism. Would they do that for someone who wasn't an executive vice president of the company? I don't think so. This is just Cody being able to do what he wants to get it, you know, it's special treatment, you know, Triple H references, all that kind of shit. And that is exactly what they want you to be talking about and what they want you to be saying. That's the narrative that they're pushing and they're doing it brilliantly. And Sammy Guevara is the perfect person to be the interim champion. He's lost to Cody twice, so you assume he's going to lose again when they finally get back together. It's just going to make people more sick of Cody kind of, you know, pulling the strings so he can do whatever he wants and abusing his power and all that wonderful stuff that people you know heal characters in positions of power always do but they're doing it in a much subtler way and they're doing it in a way that still even now has people going they really want cody to be liked and cody really wants to be liked and they're just everything they do is just backfiring it's not backfiring this is exactly what they want man i'm telling you it's working perfectly all right i could go on forever about that also oh by the way i want to say sammy guevara is a great white meat baby face, and that is not a role I saw him excelling in, but he's doing great in that, so props to him. Elsewhere in AEW, there's a fun dynamic happening right now with Team Elite and Red Dragon, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. And while they are currently together and feuding with the best friends, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there's an inevitable implosion coming within this group, and Adam Cole, baby, is at the center. You know, before Kenny Omega left uh, a couple months ago, there was, or I don't know if it was months ago. <laughs> it seems like months ago. We miss you, Kenny. But there was some obvious tension building between Omega and Adam Cole. And what I'm hoping happens is that in this feud, the best friends get over, which would be huge for the best friends. It would be the biggest thing that they've done so far. And they get over because the Elite and Red Dragon cannot get along and work as a team. There's an inevitable split. Cole is in the middle, and out of personal and professional peer pressure, he ends up siding with the Bucks, turning on his longtime friends, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, which makes Red Dragon a babyface tag team, cements Adam Cole as a heel. Then, because we're not done with this scenario yet, then when Kenny Omega returns, Omega and the Bucks betray Adam Cole 
Red Dragon now has to decide if they want to forgive Adam Cole or not, because of course he'll come out and say, I'm sorry, I've seen the error of my ways. I was stupid. I was blinded. Please take me back. Please forgive me. And they most likely will take him back because they're baby faces now. And that's what baby faces do. They forgive people. So other things happening in AEW that's really fun. I'm loving the buildup to CM Punk and MJF. It's reaching a fever pitch and as that's going on, we also have this wonderful other storyline happening of the tension between MJF and Wardlow. I'm really hoping Wardlow doesn't turn on MJF until after MJF and Punk have their match. Um, at least till the match is over. It can be the same day. I don't care. But I don't want Wardlow's interference to be the reason that CM Punk beats MJF, if he beats MJF, which is, a, which is a huge if. But it would be disappointing if they have to cheapen Punk's win by having Wardlow turn on MJF, and that's what ultimately uh, costs MJF the match. I think everybody involved is better than that, and I'm hoping that that's not the direction that they go in with this. But I'm still really excited to see um, all these big storylines finally coming to a head. There's been some great, great buildup uh, with those three characters right now. Another thing that happened in AEW that's worth note is there was a run-in last week and Lance Archer, uh, returning Lance Archer, now appears to be the next challenger for Hangman Adam Page. Uh, Lance Archer never really did much for me. I was never a big fan of his and I don't take him seriously as a threat to Adam Page's title. He's also got some stuff that he's got to work out with uh, Dan Lambert. So He's kind of in a weird tweener spot where he's got beef with Dan Lambert, which would make him a babyface, but he's attacking Adam Cole, which makes him, uh, or Adam Cole, Adam Page, which makes him a heel. So not really sure where they're going with Lance Archer's character. I guess they're just kind of trying to keep all possibilities open for him. But yeah, it's he's not going to beat Adam Page for the championship. You can guarantee that. Uh, something else I'm really excited to see, uh, Serena Deeb put an exclamation point on her feud against Sheeta this week. She absolutely beat her down, and I think it's pretty safe to say that that feud is now over. Serena Deeb definitely going over in that, but it started to make me think, you know, we've got Serena Deeb, Jade Cargill is your TBS champion, and Britt Baker is your AEW women's champion. It seems like all the top talent in AEW's women's division right now is on the heel side. We still have Ruby's, uh, Ruby Soho, but she's already taken losses to both champions, so it's hard to imagine that she's going to be uh, the one to topple either of these two anytime soon. And of course, we still have Thunder Rosa waiting in the wings. She's doing this little thing with Mar uh, Mercedes Martinez right now, which I'm really excited to see uh, them giving her a little something to do until she eventually takes on Britt Baker again. But I think that there is still a big spot up toward the top of the women's babyface side of the division. And I'm really curious to see who steps up. Uh, Chris Statlander has had some experience in that role, and she's been doing really, really well lately. Uh, they're still super high on Anna Jay and Ty Conti. So I'm not sure who it's going to be to step up to sort of be that number three baby face for AEW uh, women's division. But I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm super curious because the heel side is just stacked right now. So oh, that's going to kind of take care of it for AEW. Over at WWE, there are some things I want to talk about, even though I'm mad at them right now. Uh, I'm extremely confused 
by the Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns storyline in the sense that both of these guys seem to be heel-leaning tweeners, and every week they're cutting promos that just seem to conflict with who their characters were the week prior. Maybe I'm just not following closely enough, but I don't see how WWE is positioning either one of these guys to be very likable. Uh, And that being said, (laughs) one thing that was very likable and very entertaining is Brock Lesnar doing an amazing Paul Heyman impression. Brock Lesnar might do a better Paul Heyman impression than Paul Heyman does. Uh, That was really, really fun. A couple weeks ago, he did the reigning, defending, undisputed, which they totally stole from me, as everyone knows. But uh, Brock Lesnar did it instead of Paul Heyman, and it was really fun. It was good. And also, in some WWE news that I'm actually very excited about, last week we had a new Raw Tag Team Champion crowned. Uh, Alpha Academy, Otis and Chad Gable, pulled off one of the bigger upsets in recent history by beating RK-Bro. And it seems like a Randy Orton versus Matt Riddle match at WrestleMania is a given, so we have to do something to start the dissolution of this team. The first step is clearly to get the titles off of them. That wasn't so much a surprise, but the fact that it was Alpha Academy who took the belts off of uh, RK-Bro had me absolutely floored. And I hate the way that they took away Otis's personality, but I love this role for Chad Gable. And if they're going to back it up with the title run, I totally support it. And while I still miss funny Otis, uh, serious Otis with a belt is a very, very fun and acceptable consolation prize for me. And as shocking as that was, this was last week on Raw, not this week, last week, as shocking as that was, The night was not over for surprises because, ladies and gentlemen, in 2022, Dolph Ziggler got a pinfall victory. It was in an eight-man tag match, but nonetheless, Dolph Ziggler was the one to get the pinfall victory. And I want to know, does this mean WWE is having faith once again in one of their steadiest hands of the last decade? Well, no, they're not because... They returned the favor the following week, and Dolph's team took a loss. But still, it made me happy for a very brief moment, and it just reminded me that um, no matter how far down the card he slides, I will always be a mark for Dolph Ziggler. That's just the reality of the situations. So that's going to wrap it up for me right now on the in-ring storylines. Obviously, there's a whole lot more going on in both companies, especially with the Royal Rumble fast approaching. But I'm going to save that for now and get to our very first edition of the new segment, What Do You Think About? On Facebook and Twitter, at Closet Champ, I asked you... I reached out and asked you to ask me what I think about a variety of topics. It could be absolutely anything, current product, old product, reimagining a booking of something like that. And I have to say, all of you wonderful, beautiful souls did not disappoint. I had a lot of fantastic questions. I'm going to try to answer most of them now. One of them I'm going to have to put off because I think I'm going to end up dedicating an entire episode to it in the future. But without further ado, here we go. The first question comes from Kimmy Sokol from Kimmy Talks Wrestling, and aside from being my frequent punching bag on the Bob Culture podcast, I do have to say Kimmy is a very ambitious, hardworking person that actually has a decent amount of knowledge on pro wrestling before she was born, which to me is the ultimate testament to someone's dedication to 
being serious and learning as much as they can about this industry. If you claim to be a hardcore wrestling fan, to me, you can't use the excuse of I wasn't born then uh, to not know something, at least the important things in history. You know, I was a wrestling fan way before there was a network that gave me the whole library of WWE. And I still found ways to watch stuff from the very early 80s uh, from both NWA and WWE. So the fact that Kimmy goes out of her way to try to learn that stuff uh, shows me that she's got a real dedication and a passion for this industry. And it's going to take her very, very far. So Kimmy says, what do you think about all these returning legends in the Women's Royal Rumble? And I got to say, Kimmy, personally, I love it. Legends coming back is always a nice shot of nostalgia to those of us who have been watching for a long time. And I know there's people who say, you know, well, they're taking spots away from, you know, everyday wrestlers who are just dying for opportunities. And I get it, but it's like, if you're a talent and you're being seriously underused, are you going to be content or is your stock going to rise if they allow you to go in the Royal Rumble and stay for a couple minutes and just get unceremonious unceremoniously thrown out with no real moment to speak of it's doubtful so i doubt you're going to be in the back and going well they don't use me much but i got to enter at number seven for the royal rumble and stay in for two minutes like no forget that give it to kelly kelly even though i don't like kelly kelly give her a moment a lot of people do so there you go uh i will say that i prefer that more of the returning people would be a surprise i like the surprise the the pop you get for it but i understand this specifically women's royal rumble they don't have a lot of star power on their uh current roster especially now with sasha banks being out so i totally get the appeal of advertising these returning legends ahead of time still i don't think anybody who doesn't have peacock is going to sign up or buy the pay-per-view if that's even still a thing uh just because kelly kelly lita and mickey james are in the rumble but maybe i'm wrong on that so who knows the next question comes from amanda nugent who is the uh, general manager for the san antonio-based mission pro wrestling Amanda wants to know, what do you think about WWE working with Impact to bring Mickey James in for the Rumble? Sort of similar to Kimmy's question, but very different in the sense of we're talking about opening the Forbidden Door. Mickey James is not just a returning legend. She is the Impact Women's Champion. Uh, so this is a big deal. And personally, I love it. Uh AEW, I think, has had fantastic success working with other companies, and it looks like WWE is catching on to that and trying to replicate that success themselves. This isn't anything that's new to WWE. They've worked with Smoky Mountain Wrestling and ECW in the 90s, and it was a big success for WWE. Uh, And given the way that they handled Mickey's firing with the garbage bag and all this, I think they're hoping that this is going to mend some fences and be a nice PR move for them, given all the bad PR they've had lately. Uh, I also personally hope this means that Nick Aldis might be in the Men's Royal Rumble. Nick Aldis is Mickey James' husband and a living NWA legend and bona fide stud, and I really want to see him in there. That's why I'm probably most excited for Mickey James, but... Uh, you know, I hate companies acting like other companies don't exist. Like we acknowledging the competition, I don't think, again, especially in this day and age, is is that taboo of a thing. I don't think your ratings are gonna go down because you showed Mickey James now all of a sudden everybody's tuning into Impact and they're not watching WWE anymore. 
let's be real. That's not going to happen. I think this is only a good thing. I'm very excited. I hope they give Mickey time to shine. If they just have her come in and do a job and not let her get some eliminations and look strong, uh, I think it's going to backfire on them. But I actually got faith that they're going to do this right, which don't ask me why I've got faith that they're going to do anything right these days, but somehow I still have faith. Next question comes from Dr. John Morelli, owner of Anchor Chiropractic in Las Vegas. Uh, He's the only person I trust to work on my spine, so if you are a Vegas local, definitely check him out. Uh, He is also a CrossFit legend, way better than Seth Rollins, and his dedication to self-improvement in all areas of life is something that I really, really admire. Plus, he is truly the greatest friend that anybody could ever ask for. So John chimed in, and John wants to know, what do you think about current cruiserweights compared to cruiserweights in previous eras? An excellent question. And, you know, like anything in pro wrestling, cruiserweights are constantly evolving and changing. The cruiserweight division back in the 90s in WCW really put cruiserweights on the U.S. fans' radar, and a division like WCW's cruiserweight division has never been replicated since. WWE has tried a few times. It hasn't worked out. That being said, the current wrestling environment is much more accepting of smaller wrestlers in big-time roles than it was in the past. People like Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, Adam Cole can now be world champions when such a thing was unfathomable 10 years ago, especially 30 years ago in the 90s when all this stuff was first coming up. We've come a long way as far as incorporating cruiserweight wrestlers into main event spots. And for that reason, I'd say that the current crop of cruiserweight stars are better than their 90s counterparts only because they're giving more opportunities to shine, not just within their own division, but on the absolute biggest stage and in the main event. Also, my absolute favorite uh, cruiserweight of all time is Ray Phoenix. I'll take Ray Phoenix over Ray Mysterio anytime. And he is a current cruiserweight. So I'm going to say that the current cruiserweights are even better than the trailblazers that um, paved paved this path way back in the 90s. And our last question comes from Jason Jorah. Uh, Mr. Jorah is one of my very, very oldest friends. He was the very first collaborator for any wrestling project that I had done, my old Paper Champion blog, which is somewhere on the internet still if you want to if you want a good laugh. Uh, He also has an incredibly impressive board game collection and is willing to gamble on almost anything, so he and I are definitely kindred spirits. Mr. Jorah wants to know, what do you think about Bobby finally facing Brock Lesnar after all these years? Is it going to live up to the hype? You know, I think the timing of this match sucks, specifically for Bobby Lashley, because Roman versus Brock is a thing that's definitely going to happen again, and it seems that Bobby isn't going to have much of a chance against Brock Lesnar as long as this Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns thing is hanging over his head. If they want to get the title off of one of the guys, I could see a scenario in which uh, Brock maybe gets screwed either by Roman Reigns or by Paul Heyman, and Bobby gets the win that way. Um, but either way, I don't think Bobby's going to come out looking like a stud. You know, if, if he does win, which I think is unlikely, but if he does win, uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's going to be, be, 
it's going to be because Brock Lesnar got screwed, not because Bobby Le- uh, Bobby Lashley was the better man. So for that reason, I'm not happy about it. I am happy for Bobby and the fans who've been wanting this match to happen for 20 years now. But, you know, even without the hype, I just don't think that I would be impressed. And given how much people have been clamoring for it, this would need to be a five-star match to live up to people's expectations. And I just don't see it being a five-star match. So, well, it's great that it's finally happening. Uh, I think it's going to be looked back at as a little bit of a letdown. And hopefully this was not a letdown. Hopefully you all had a good time listening to me and we had fun with this first What Do You Think About segment. I'm going to be posting a uh, another post. I'm going to be posting another post. I'm so eloquent today. <laughs> On my Facebook page, asking you guys again for more questions. It was so much fun the first time. I can't wait to do it again. Uh, look forward to next week. I will be doing another podcast featuring the my favorite battle royals of all time and my Royal Rumble predictions. It's we're finally here. It's close enough to time where I feel like I can finally make uh, make my opinions known and put it on record and put my money where my mouth is. You know, Royal Rumble. If you've been following this podcast, has not been my most successful of prediction episodes, but it's always uh, my favorite because I just have so much fun thinking of all the possible scenarios. And until we get together again, I am your reigning, rarely defending highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. I'm going to take the count out loss and get out of here with my belt. Good night, everybody.